Good morning, this is Tim Carter, and welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. With each hour dedicated to a subject, many times with expert guests joining the hosts, Let's Talk can probe deeply into the issues of the week. Let's Talk is hosted by Ron Tolner, John Meehan, and Tim Carter. Good morning, and welcome to another session of Let's Talk. With me in studio today is uh, Tim Carter, one of the team. Uh, John Meehan uh, had a, a previous commitment, and he is not here today, but we will forge on without him. Uh, our guest in studio today is Superintendent Todd Fraley of Sedalia District uh, 200, and welcome to you, Todd. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, we might touch on a, a few things as we uh, go through the hour today, but, but in particular, uh, we want to visit about the uh, upcoming uh, tax levy proposal that is going to be on the ballot on what day, Todd? It's not a- April 4th. April 4th. Thank you. And by the way, there are a number of, of uh, issues on the ballot that day. So everyone, just a reminder to please get out and uh, vote. Uh, we would like to see a large uh, turnout for that, and we'd like to hear from everyone. Um, so with regard to Sedalia District 200, Todd, give us, uh, and of course, I, today I want to talk a lot uh, about the proposed levy, what the, those monies uh, will be used for, but maybe as uh, some background to get us started Talk to us a little bit about the history of our school campuses and uh, how they're currently utilized. All right. Thanks, Ron. There's quite a bit to that. Uh, If we roll back time to when the current temporary operating levy was passed, it was passed in, in 2007 by the voters. And at that time, you know, we we were growing as a district. Uh, our student enrollments were increasing and continue to increase uh, through up through 2018, actually. Uh, and then it leveled off a little bit. And then COVID hit, and that's kind of thrown everything <clears throat> for a loop. But we're rebounding from that uh, now, obviously, and, and pushing to the future. So it was determined uh, that Sedalia... 200, you know, could benefit and the community could benefit from the addition of a new high school. And that had been brought to the voters in various forms and fashions for the previous years before 2007. And after its approval in 2007, construction began and the new high school was opened during the uh, 2009-10 school year. And I was happened to be, uh, part of the administrative team that opened that building up. I was assistant principal at the time. And at that time, we it was built because the building had been scaled back several times through uh, different planning processes. And because uh, of basically getting the levy passed uh, to cut down cost to get that down to, at that time, uh, where the district and the voters would approve, uh, it was built for 10th through 12th grade only. And the bottom part of the building was left basically as a shell. Uh, and for future expansion uh, for the ninth grade, 
it was always the intent of the district. Now, I know there's been, I've heard, you know, some uh, rumor out there, some some folks that, that think that it was sold to the voters at the time because the, the, the current junior high school, which was Smith Cotton High School at the time, was unsafe for kids. And that was never part of the equation. Now, the plan was, because of our growth, we build the new high school, we move uh, the junior high up into that building. So, and that's what it took place. So 10th and 12th grade went to the new high school <clears throat> and seven, eight, and nine uh, were at the, then the junior high, which was the old Smith Cotton High School. So then we had three grade levels over there. So fast forward a few years uh, through district financing, through uh, in cooperation with L.J. Hart and Company, which is the school's uh, finance company uh, based out of St. Louis, the district was able to take advantage of positive, uh, some positive economic times, uh, student enrollment growth, which triggers more state formula payment to the district, and was able to uh, expedite some of the district's financial responsibility during that time that freed up even more capital uh, that could come out of uh, this current temporary operating levy that we're discussing right now. So now we have an operating levy that was passed by the voters to build a new high school, and because of positive economic times and growth, we were able to uh, use that same levy to do a lot more things. Uh, several, you know, taking advantage of a very, very low interest market over a decade enabled uh, a series of refinancings as well that also uh, allowed for us to gain additional capital to take on bigger projects. In that time, then, uh, of course, we always had wanted to get 9 through 12, grades 9 through 12 together. And uh, we were able to financially fill in the ninth grade wing uh, at the high school, add an auxiliary gym that was needed when you, you have uh, that many grade levels and, and that many students in one building. Uh, in addition to uh, several other projects uh, that took place over the period of time. So then we took the ninth grade out. We had nine through 12 at the new high school. Uh, and the old high school, which was now the junior high, had the ability to house one more grade level. So at that time, the board decided to pull sixth grade out of the middle school and put sixth grade up into the current junior high school location. The other piece of this puzzle was the Early Childhood Center, because at that point in time, the Early Childhood Center had was renting a building, we were renting a building from Bothwell, and it, it was very restricted in growth because of its location. So by opening up the wing uh, and moving a grade level out of the middle school, the plan was now we can grow our early childhood center. Uh, and they moved in to the south wing of the middle school. Uh, and sixth grade, of course, moved up. And fast forward again <laughs> to, to most recent times uh, where uh, in – 2018, we started the process again of being able to use uh, this levy, and the district was able to uh, pay off its its debts uh, early 
to have the capital uh, in play to build the new Loftus Early Childhood Center that we have now. So, you know, the one the one thing I surmise out of that is that that, that one levy that was passed in two, the special levy that was passed in two thousand seven, we have really got a bang for our buck from that because we have accomplished many many different things. Uh, those that that you just mentioned. And, and by the way, I, I really find it amazing that that high school has been there going on 13 years. Uh, talk about time flying. Um, and, and in fact, uh, in those efforts to, to pass those levies in the past, uh, there were many different efforts. I know John Meehan and I were active uh, in one of those, and, uh, and we uh, failed to have it happen. But uh, uh, the proponents of the school district uh, continued that effort. And as you said, in 2007, uh, it was uh, finally passed, and as, as you just indicated, we've we've done a tremendous uh, amount uh, with that uh, with that levy, um, and and I've, you've mentioned, of course, some of those the uh, the uh, building of the new high school eventually for three years, then we added the fourth year to it. Uh, there have been any number of other things that also came out of that as well. And you might touch on the, the big items. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of things, and, and they don't, some of these things don't only benefit the school community. They been, been, have benefited the community at large. Uh, you know, we were able to build the FEMA building at the junior high school site. And of course, as, as everyone probably is aware, that is open uh, to the public should there be uh, an inclement weather event. And when EMA designates uh, that emergency, then that becomes a public shelter. Uh, and it, it doubles at uh, right now, of course, it's, it's the cafeteria. There's also a gymnasium uh, in that facility. In addition to that, something that's really benefited the community is uh, the Heckert Community Center that we have and just opened up this year. And part of what the reason the school has been able to help and assist with that with that project was part of this levy, uh, having the finance uh, fin financial resources uh, to be able to partner with the city of Sedalia and provide this wonderful opportunity. And I'd like the, our listeners to, to, to really take heed of that one because uh, – uh, if you do not know, all of the uh, school's uh, water activities, uh, swimming, diving, whatever, uh, are uh, going forward are being held at the Heckert Center. And the school district did quite a bit in uh, helping bring that about. I think your total contribution toward that was a little over $3 million. And of course, you were you were really in a situation with the current pool situation that was at the middle school, having been there for more years than I can count, but uh, really, really was in need of, heck, I'll call it replacement, uh, because you can only repair things so many times. Uh, but the thing that really impressed me about this was the cooperative effort between the school district and the Heckert Center to get that done. It's just another example of how our organizations in this community work together for the better of the school, the public, whatever. Absolutely. You know, it, to me, it's a big picture. Uh, and, and we did, you know, we, we wrote uh, the one-time check for uh, $3.2 and change, and then there's uh, five years of 
of payments uh, that will double that amount over time. So the Heckert Community Center was able to to build a competition uh, level pool, which will help you know bring even more folks to our fine community. Uh, and you're right, the SMS Middle School pool uh, that was 50 years old, and and something had to, had to be done. Uh, at some point in time. And that gives us an opportunity now at that facility uh, to have more space uh, for our students. Uh, and we have some plans to renovate that area as well. And and to continue on with uh, really what you got out of that uh, original levy increase from back in 2007, I remember another huge project back then was uh, where the district went geothermal uh, for its heating and cooling, and, and uh, I, I think that involved Parkview, Skyline, Middle School, um, uh, a huge, uh, a huge project with a huge payoff. Oh, absolutely! And uh, what had happened even prior to that was when Dr. Harriet Wolf was superintendent uh, years ago. Is she uh, partnered with the? There's a DNR grant programs that existed at the time uh, with some low interest loans uh, to school districts and took advantage of those to implement geothermal across all our buildings uh, in our district. Every district building we own is geothermal, uh, heated and cooled, uh, which uh, at the time we went through an audit. Uh, an energy audit, and actually we're about to go through another one. Uh, now we've just contracted with another company to to do so, and the energy savings uh, more than paid back uh, the loans on those projects. I'm, I'm sure they did. Uh, another huge thing that comes to mind to me, again, that was funded out of that uh, uh, original levy increase in 2007, uh, was the new sports complex out at, uh, out at Smith Cotton. I mean, that, that required no additional going to the public, uh, you know, no, no additional tax money, no new vote, uh, and that is a facility to be proud of. Absolutely. And as everybody knows, it, you know, it was, it was become kind of an embarrassment that a school our size or a school any size, you know, we, we had a dirt track. Uh, basically a mud track at the old site, uh, and this brought us up to speed with uh, with modern times. So we we could host actually host our own competitive events for the first time. And again, it is a tremendous facility, not just for track, but for football and soccer and and what have you. Uh, and the general public makes some use out of that as well. So again, the the city of uh, Sedalia is uh, is benefiting from that in addition to the school. Uh, we've got. Uh, Dr. Todd Fraley uh, in studio with us today. We're talking about our, our high school footprint, uh, the upcoming tax levy, uh, and uh, what, uh, what the intention is for that, why it's needed. Uh, we'll be back with uh, segment two in just a bit. Good morning and welcome back to our second segment of Let's Talk. Uh, in studio is uh, Tim Carter and myself, Ron Toller. Uh, John Meehan is out today. Our guest in studio today is Dr. Todd Fraley, Superintendent of today's School District Number 200. Uh, and we are going to be getting into more details now with the proposed uh, uh, levy vote uh, coming up in the uh, uh, April election. Before we get away uh, entirely from, from what was accomplished with the last uh, levy approval that happened back in 2007, we went through a lot of things in our first segment, but 
Uh, I know another one that, uh, that jumps out at me that was really significant at the time was uh, the addition of additional classrooms at uh, Parkview and Skyline. Uh, you know, for, frankly, when those were built, uh, they were built with the room to do that. And uh, those additional rooms were, were, were terribly needed uh, a few years ago as the school district continued to grow with the uh, growth of Sedalia. So that was another huge benefit that, uh, that uh, came out of that 2007 excuse me, levy increase. So uh, Todd, let's talk a little bit about where we sit uh, school levy wise now what you and the board are proposing uh, uh, to be voted on and hopefully approved uh, this uh, uh, this next month. And uh, eventually we're going to get into where that money's going to go. But but let's talk numbers for a bit. Yes, thank you. Uh, the, the current levy sits at 4.0628 cents per every $100 of assessed valuation. Uh, that levy ceiling is uh, comes from the state auditor's office uh, so each year the district submits its uh, the current assessed valuation numbers from the district and that goes to the auditor's office and based on assessed valuation numbers the state auditor calculates uh, they have a calculation formula that includes Consumer Price Index, and uh, of course, it's also affected by the Hancock Amendment. And they give the school districts will get back the operating tax levy ceilings as approved by the voters. And um, before we get into the actual proposal on the uh, uh, ballot, uh, I, I think we ought to talk a little bit about where we stand comparable wise with other and i'm going to say comparable sized schools uh in central missouri uh in our conference uh because it's really quite amazing what we are still able to do with the level of of a levy that we have yes yes we're you know right now we are fairly comparable to to our surrounding school districts uh, within reason uh, we're by no means as competitive of, as some of of the schools in our conference uh, and in our district uh, the other key component to that is the assessed valuation of course that goes into uh, these calculations and the revenue stream from the local level uh, you can, I think, you know, Camdenton is, is a school district that has a very, very low tax ceiling. Uh, people could see that in comparison to that, but you really can't because that's the lake and their assessed valuation is in is over a billion dollars. Uh, and that's not really comparable. But some of the other schools were still, you know, we're still behind significantly in local tax effort. We are about uh, this year, I just ran those numbers the other day. Uh, Sedalia 200, we, we really give voters a bang for their buck, to be honest with you. Uh, the per student local effort is about $1,800 per student less than the state average. Then the state average, which of course includes all That's schools. Every, in everybody, yeah. If you take the complete state average of all schools in Missouri. That is really tremendous. I, I had no idea about that. And it, that has two financial components, and one is is the approved levy, and two would be the assessed valuations of the district. Uh, 
And to give our listeners an idea of, of how we do compare, uh, Todd, Todd mentioned uh, that uh, probably one of the larger schools with the lowest levy around is Camdenton. But again, there is certainly a reason for that and all of the huge dollars uh, of valuation down in that area. But uh, just a quick rundown of uh, schools that we are still lower and in some cases quite a bit lower. Um, if you look uh, in, uh, in our conference, Belton, Columbia, Harrisville, Jeff City, Moberly, uh, we are significantly below every one of those. Um, and, and even other area schools that are not in our conference, uh, Boonville and Warrensburg. Uh, we are also significantly below those. Um, frankly, when you look at large schools in central Missouri, nothing really jumps out at me that we're not lower than. Uh, there's, there's not too many. There are a few, like you said, Camden, but that's, that's an anomaly. Uh, you know, Knob Noster is another, uh, and Waynesville, those are two military uh, towns and with military bases. So those districts don't necessarily have to have high tax levies because they receive a significant amount of what's, what's called impact aid from the federal government and the military. So again, what that tells me, and, and you mentioned it a little bit ago, I don't recall the exact words, but the words I would use is that uh, our school administration and, and school board, I think, are uh, tremendous stewards of the uh, money that the community has provided through the uh, through the taxes that they do pay, so when we come up uh, in March, I'm sorry, in April, with uh, this new uh, the, the, see, I was making the mistake. I was going to call it a new tax levy, and that's where I wanted to go next because it's not a new tax levy at all. No, it's Explain not. That. No, it's not. The only thing we're asking uh, the voters of Sedalia 200 to do is to simply remove the sunset clause that was in the original uh, temporary levy. And that's why it's called a temporary levy is because when it was passed, uh, there was a 20-year sunset. So we're not asking for additional uh, an additional tax. We're not asking to raise the levy. We're simply asking the voters to continue what they've been uh, paying as far as levy over the, you know, since 2007. So just to, to summarize, Todd, your comments uh, on the uh, tax levy extension. Again, it's not a new tax levy. It's an extension of the 0.8628 levy that has uh, been in existence uh, since it was approved back on 2007. Uh, again, you're not uh, wanting to uh, add to that. You're just simply wanting to take the sunset clause off so those monies will be available uh, for the district to use uh, for additional capital needs, capital improvement needs, and really not just capital improvement needs, but, but whatever the, the school district determines is needed at the time. That can involve... Uh, uh, personnel, it can involve salaries, it can really involve a little bit of anything. Yeah, that, that's correct. And that's the beauty of how, uh, not to get too deep into school finance, but that's the beauty of how this particular levy was written. Uh, it was uh, written as a lease, uh, lease purchase, uh, which means when we you can go out and uh, you have the legal authority to raise revenue through the sale of lease certificates, 
uh, to investors. And that's what is that's how the, the original high school was built and these other projects, many of them uh, were, had taken place. Uh, it, there's two ways that schools do capital projects, and that is either through you know lease purchase certificates, like I just stated, or through a bond. Uh, a bond is a different uh, type of funding source, and, and it requires a supermajority vote of the voters. Sedalia 200 does not have any any a bond. We don't have a bond levy. Uh, that those bond levies are very restrictive uh, in how they have to be spent. Uh, this was a simple majority vote, and this this levy can be spread uh, throughout either fund to support either our capital projects investments that we need, and or the you know recruitment retainment of staff in the form of salaries and expenditures and supplies and our student programs. It's just very very uh, you know we we can use that uh, wherever we you know we see that we have need. And again, maybe I sound a little bit like a broken record, but but uh, that flexibility that's built into that levy, and again, what uh, what the administration and the board has done with that since uh, 2007 is a, is a tremendous laundry list, and it is the flexibility that has allowed that to happen that has uh, allowed you to make the improvements. Uh, not only in the facilities, but the uh, the curriculum and and uh, personnel, uh, pretty much anything that involves the operation of the uh, of the school district. And I will tell you from a personal standpoint what I have noticed uh, over the years since that uh, levy was passed in uh, uh, 07, the uh, and the construction of the new high school. Um, the pride that I saw in this community just rose up. Uh, I, I mean, it was something that I, I really found tremendous, and and I still see it today. Uh, I, I see it in our in our community, in our residents, in our students. Uh, you, you know, you still hear comments from anybody that visits our school district anymore about how tremendous uh, it is. So, uh, again, we have done tremendous things with that money. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, my goal, and I expressed this to the board of education when I was selected and, and that is to make Sedalia 200 schools, uh, give our students and families the opportunities uh, that they seek, because I want families to stay here. I want our, our students to graduate here. And if they want to make Sedalia, continue to make Sedalia their home and not move away, that they have the best opportunities for those young families uh, to come up through our school system. In addition to that, to draw families here to Sedalia. So when new companies do come in, like a new core or or you know Simcoat or or expansion of of our of our existing uh, commercial entities that they choose to come to Sedalia to live because they have the opportunity to to have housing in Warrensburg or Nobnoster or even as far as Boonville or whatever radius they choose to drive uh, to come to work in Sedalia. But I would prefer that they would choose Sedalia because uh, for one because we have the the best opportunity for their kids. Well, and I will tell you that not only do you prefer that, but uh, the rest of our city fathers do, as well all of our businesses in this community. Uh, if, if, uh, if our growth uh, in our school district is reflected in the growth in our community, uh, everybody is a winner. 
Um, be, before we finish up this segment too, uh, I want to just summarize the numbers that we were talking about uh, and the levy where it exists right now. We are currently at 4.0628, our levy. And again, that is uh, significantly below about any other school in the area in our conference. Uh, now that 4.0628 includes the special levy that was passed uh, in uh, 2007, the 0.8628. So uh, by voting on uh, April 4th to remove the sunset on that special levy, uh, the public is simply indicating that uh, Sedalia's levy will remain at 4.0628. Not go up, not go down, but remain at that, at that uh, current level. And when we come back for uh, our last segment of Let's Talk this week, uh, we're going to visit in some more detail about the uh, 2022 uh, capital plan that the district has been working with, uh, talk about how much money that levy will generate going forward, and uh, just uh, what all it could be used for. So we will be back. Welcome again to uh, this week's session of Let's Talk. We're uh, starting our third and final segment. And uh, with me in studio today is uh, Tim Carter, a member of the team. And uh, our guest today again is uh, Dr. Todd Fraley, superintendent of Sedalia 200 Schools. So let's bounce forward, Todd. And uh, uh, let's talk about uh, if the uh, ballot issue passes on April 4th, uh, just what that provides in the re way of resources to the school district and uh, to get into, uh, at, at least from an overview standpoint, just where the district is with their intended use of those funds. Absolutely. And thanks for asking that question, because as a taxpayer, you know, I certainly want to know where my tax dollars are going, how they're going to be spent. I'm a taxpayer like everybody else, and I believe in that fiscal responsibility. Uh, now, what what the levy passage of this uh, extension and removal of the sunset, I should say, what that enables us to do is from a, if we talk about it in layman's terms, uh, as far as re, uh, relating it to someone's house mortgage, let's say, and right I have a, I have all my mortgages. I I I'm at a debt ceiling as far as what I can borrow or generate, and we can our payments uh, go up through 2027. So if we remove this sunset now, we can go to our finance company and say we we have these X amount of, of projects and major renovations and improvements that we need to do, and as soon as the vote. Uh, passes, then uh, they can reach beyond 2027 and finance these lease certificates into the future. So, but we can take advantage of that revenue now, even though it'll be deferred uh, after 2027 and start projects now instead of, of waiting. And of course, if it, if it does not pass by 2027, then all that revenue source goes away. And to repeat that uh, another way, the real significance of the year 2027 uh, that is the year that this existing uh, levy increase uh, sunsets, that money goes away. So anything that uh, the district has, uh, has used that money for uh, over these uh, preceding years um, needs to be paid for because there's, there's, there's no uh, uh, 
additional money after that point in time to to uh, cover that debt. But again, if you uh, if you pass the tax levy increase, or again, I'm sorry, it is not an increase, folks. So do not believe what I'm saying there. It is an extension. Uh, but by passing that extension and and following it out into the future, if you do a calculation of the money that involves, it, it again gives the district the flexibility to continue to do the improvements uh, and all of the various uh, things that the district needs going forward. Talk about the money that it will provide and, sure. and then get into the capital improvements. Sure. Uh, currently, uh, according to our uh, our assessed valuation, uh, which it gets multiplied into, that this temporary levy of 0.8628 cents is generating approximately $3.5 million a year. And that's what the district could stand to lose moving forward past the 2027 mark. Uh, we would, you know, that's a significant hit to, to our budget and our ability to, to do some of the things we need to do uh, as far as facility improvements and enhancements. Uh, with, without that ability to generate revenue, uh, we're, we're going to come to a standstill in any type of growth uh, and just be basically uh, trying to get by and uh, putting band-aids on big problems uh, as far as from a facility standpoint. So let's, Todd, let's, let's get into that uh, 2022 uh, capital improvements plan that uh, that administration and the board has uh, spent so much time on. And uh, just talk about how this money could be utilized. Well, first of all, we, we keep safety and security uh, at the top priority for, for our kids and our staff members. So even this summer, uh, we're, we're already out for plans to enhance our what's called a guided entry sequence into our buildings uh, to enhance the security uh, against a potential perpetrator or intruder um, in that way uh, to add uh, these additional safety and security measures. Uh, in addition to that, uh, from the immediate standpoint, uh, is that uh, at the Sedalia Middle School and prepare that building uh, so in the future we could move another grade level potentially back into that facility and take full advantage of that space. Uh, that would require what we've already identified, of course, as a renovation of the existing gym that's not been renovated since it was built in 1972. Uh, still has the, the original wooden bleachers that are now become a safety uh, hazard. And of course, the the pool area that uh, that needs conversion, that, that that's on the immediate side of things. And those guided secure entries uh, would be adjusted. So uh, provided our bids uh, come back within reason, we'll be able to, you know, begin those projects uh, pretty much immediately this summer. Uh, and things would look different uh, to our, our students and parents and staff come fall. And when you talk about that uh, guided entry sequence, the security issues, uh, as I've looked at this list of uh, schools, I, I believe that is everywhere. It, it is everywhere, uh, uh, including Whittier High School. Uh, and what, what we're doing is we're making a sequence to where if you're, uh, you come in to check into the building or be in our building, uh, you have the opportunity, you have to go through the office area. And, and a lot of our buildings right now, as soon as we do have, you have to be buzzed in. You have to check in from the outside and get buzzed in. Uh, that was the first layer of security, but we're in a day and age now where we have to provide even further layers of security, unfortunately, uh, in this society. So you, you'll be funneled into, you know, the, an office area and then you, you do not have direct access to the 
students at that point. Uh, for example, right now I get buzzed in if I go to Horseman Elementary or Washington or or even Skyline Parkview, kind of everywhere but the junior high and the high school. As soon as I'm I'm buzzed in, I'm in, uh, and I can take off right down the hallway with no obstruction. And we we need to alleviate that. So uh, again, continue on with the. the I, I, again, I've seen the list. I've studied the list. Uh, there are significant items in here for every location. Uh, so continue. Yeah, on. At, you know, first of all, as has been discussed before, uh, Horse Man is I think 112. Will be 112 this year. Uh, Washington's birthday, 100 birthdays next year, and and the junior high as well. So, uh, or in 25. So you have you know, aging facilities, even what we call the newer buildings, Parkview and Skyline. Well, they were built in 1992, so they're 30 years old. So even those new, quote, new roofs are, are not new. Uh, they're, they're 30 years in need of repair. So we're talking about some major reparations as far as from roof standpoint, uh, window replacement, door replacements, especially internal door replacements, uh, significant uh, tuck pointing. Uh, masonry repair to some of these some of these old buildings, and and that doesn't even include you know some aesthetic uh, renovations of, of bathrooms uh, and flooring etc. A lot of them is still original, and that's a lot of years. That's right? a lot of years. And and I you know something I see when I look at this information and, and I think back over our community and what the goals have been for the schools in the past years. You know the the concept of uh, neighborhood schools. Uh, has been here for a long time, and we've had those neighborhood schools for a long time. And 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 frankly, if those neighborhood schools are to continue, there there needs to be a number of things done for those facilities. And of course, uh, the I think it's probably fair to say that the older uh, facilities are probably a little more uh, first in line this time around, as far as uh, things that need to be done. Heber Hunt, uh, uh, Washington, uh, Horse Man. Um, and, and to really continue to function as they need to function for our students in, in today's world, they need quite a bit. Yeah, they, they certainly do. Uh, you know, for example, you, you know, Horseman Washington, uh, junior high, uh, especially Horseman Washington, they are, they have very limited ADA accessibility in those buildings. They were built and designed, including the junior high before ADA was a thing, uh, in our country or even, you know, a law. So, uh, we have limited uh, accessibility in those buildings and it, that takes extensive renovation to, to make that happen and bring it, bring it up to, up to code, uh, so to speak. So, um, Things, things of that nature are very necessary uh, moving forward. Uh, the junior high school uh, being an open campus, uh, there are plans in, the, in this long-range plan to enclose that campus. Right now there's four different buildings that students go back and forth from. Uh, in today's society, that, that, that's, that can be potentially dangerous, especially you know, where it's location in town and community to the general public. So and th those are major projects, uh, not to mention HVAC uh, those replacement schedules uh, have to take place. You, you mentioned earlier uh, in this in this broadcast about the ground source uh, geothermal heating and cooling. Well, that many of those buildings and those uh, systems are now on 15-year-old mark and and older. So we have to consider uh, renovation and, and improvements uh, to those those systems. As we uh, get to the point of wrapping things up here in the next two to three minutes, uh, uh, I want to just uh, summarize and maybe elaborate a little bit on uh, this uh, capital improvements plan and, and in particular how it uh, 
helps maintain that neighborhood schools concept, which has been so important to this uh, community over the years. Uh, I, I am aware, Dr. Fraley, that you know, leading up to this point and, and getting this levy extension on the ballot, uh, you know, you had you had uh, uh, certainly dialogue with the community. They were invited in to hear what was going on, to see the numbers. Uh, and, and I know you had very good response from a couple schools in particular that are, are concerned uh, about their schools, and it's very important to them, which I, I would agree with that. But I'm talking specifically about uh, Washington and Horace Mann, which, again, happened to be the two oldest schools uh, in, the, in the district and two of the schools that uh, require a lot uh, of improvements and will be the benefactor uh, of, of this uh, proposal if it passes. Um, you know, I, I heard some very passionate, very honest comments from, from those folks in those communities. Uh, the thing I would leave with them uh, is that uh, the only way this passes is if it is supported by all of those individuals uh, in those neighborhood schools. Uh, we, they, they can't depend on someone else to, to make it happen. Uh, we have the right to vote, and this is up for a vote for a particular reason. And um, if uh, if they want to happen, uh, want it to happen, they need to get out there. Um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you agree with that. Yeah, well, I want to encourage everybody to go vote. Uh, certainly, and uh, you know what what we found out through this whole process is is folks were very passionate about their neighborhood schools. Uh, early on in our planning process, we surveyed the community and they said they would rather see the district utilize its existing facilities uh, than build an, a new facility. So we made that a priority. We, we looked at multiple different options of how to do that, all of which included the renovations of all of our buildings. Uh, but we you know, after surveying and talking to so many community members, it's, it's quite evident uh, that our our town or our communities today, 200, uh, would like to keep those neighborhood schools. And even though it's not directly related to um, to to this issue, uh, it's still a big part of it. And I want to repeat something you said earlier in this uh, in this uh, recording session, and that was uh, we are doing tremendous things from an economic development standpoint in this community. Uh, and I believe we're going to be seeing tremendous additional growth in that area. Well, part of that needs to be we want all those new jobs to reside with people who reside in Sedalia. Uh, and this is obviously a big part of Sedalia and, and, and keeping its attractiveness uh, to, those, uh, to those potential new residents. Um, so we've just got a couple of minutes left. Um, I'm going to bounce away from this subject just a second. Uh, as we finish up here, um, you know, you're in the process of uh, maybe the, well, it's your first year at the helm as a superintendent. And uh, that happened, what, I think last July is when that started. That's correct. So just give us a few quick comments of how's your first year? You know, it, it's it's been educational, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, but uh, certainly it's been busy. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's went by very, very quickly. And, you know, I just, I just hope that we always just need to keep in mind when we make decisions, you know, what's best for what's best for kids, what's best for our community. Uh, and I think if you keep the focus on that uh, and looking at the big picture, it's not necessarily what's best for this little individual or this individual group. It's the picture at large. And if you keep that as your focus point, I don't think you can go wrong. Very good. Thank you uh, for your efforts this year. And uh, again, a thank you to all of our educators and uh, uh, support staff in the district. 
my belief is we have a tremendous school district, one we should be very proud of, and uh, we owe a lot of thanks to those people involved with that district. So that's it for this session of uh, Let's Talk. We will see you again next week. <laughs>